Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email us at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon. And much to everyone's surprise, earlier this week, one of Ireland's favourite billionaires published quite a bold opinion piece in the Irish Times entitled Everyone Has a Right to a Home and Here is How It Can Be Done. So uh, that was a big claim from um, Dermot Desmond and he starts by pointing out that in fact um, homes have been allowed to become a globally traded financial asset which in turn inflates the price of those homes and as he mentions the profit of developers and the value of the underlying land. Now certainly this is all true. Of course He describes himself as one of the lucky ones, having bought his first home in Cork back in 1972 when he was a 22-year-old bank clerk. He describes it as a three-bed semi that was painted one room at a time, as of course would have been the norm back then. And uh, he he talked about, you know, the cost at €6,000 was at a time, or the equivalent, was at a time when he was earning about €900 or the equivalent at that time. So, the first time buyer's grant was the equivalent of 500 euros, which used which he used as his deposit. And because he was a bank employee at the time, he actually got a mortgage interest rate, special interest of 9%, which sounds quite shocking today. But I think what's interesting is that, you know, this was effectively six times his annual salary. And he worked it out that the same house today in Cork would require eight times annual salary. And in fact, the equivalent in Dublin would actually would actually cost maybe 11 times the annual salary. And that's just completely unaffordable, somebody who's just starting out. So um, it was a really long article, about about 5,000 words, and there was an awful lot covered in it, much more than I can that I can get to today. But it's interesting that he points out that under any analysis, Ireland is much wealthier now than it was in 1972. There are more people at work, real incomes are higher and interest rates are at historic lows. But yet we take it for granted that most households will require two incomes just to meet basic mortgage payments. And even then, double income households on the average wage, even together, cannot afford a starter home in Dublin. Now, he he states that this at a societal level is completely unacceptable. And I, I think that that's a feeling that many people would share. And certainly after the last election, we know that this is something people feel so strongly about. Um, so, yes, he's calling on the state to proactively intervene. And to be fair, he doesn't leave it there. He does actually delve into what he sees are the problems, his interpretation of why those problems have come about um, and also the role the policymaking must play. And he does go on to, to um, actually outline some potential solutions, which is unusual for people writing opinion pieces and commentary to come in. So that was a very positive thing. Um, so, really, he asks the big question, why in Ireland has our housing become so unaffordable? He points to the complete lack of fa- or the failure of housing policies. And in fact, he points out under any reasonable assessment, our housing crisis is not being effectively dealt with. And it's difficult to argue with that. So half a percent of all the apartments built in 2019 were available for purchase um, or sorry, 5% of apartments built in in 2019 were available for purchase. 95% were sold to institutions. And Dublin, of course, is currently the most expensive city in the EU in which to rent an apartment. And yet, despite the housing crisis, in some new apartment buildings in prime locations, we know that less than half the apartments are occupied. So there really is a complete disconnect now, he takes it a step further into the, the land management use and he actually gives this specific example of Dublin City Council, how under ministerial pressure, they approved a deal which effectively gifted more than 10 acres of land in Dublin City, which was worth more than 50 million to a developer. Now, he is, of course, referring to the very controversial O'Devany Gardens and that's one that has come under major criticism for many reasons, but it was seen that the ends justified the means by the provision of mixed tenure and uh, the provision of housing at a time when it was badly needed. 
Um, also, he cites the example of Dunleary Rathdown County Council, who entered into a 25-year lease for social housing in Dundrum at twice the cost of building on state land. So effectively borrowing money for rented housing at an effective cost of 5% when the state could have borrowed it at, and built it at almost nil. So, in fact, you know, that's again something that's been quite a controversial strategy that it came as a frustration to many uh, locally local representatives, to many politicians. It came as a frustration to those in opposition and to local um, to local residents that uh, Dublin Dunleary Ratdown County Council could have actually housed four times more families for exactly the same outlay. So that's really a, a very poignant example of our policy just not working. And he goes on to say that it's really forcing people into inflated rental accommodation. So whether that's subsidised or not, it is permanently destroying the savings of people. And all of this is being done at a time when the state is actually sitting on enormous land banks. And he maintains that they need to be well master planned, affordable homes that could actually be delivered for under uh, 250,000 each. Whereas at the moment, we know that the local authorities in and around Dublin are paying, you know, anywhere up to, uh, from 450 to 550,000 for a home to rent. And um, particularly this particularly frustrating for the leases where they won't even own the homes at the end of it. So in terms of solutions, he talks about the introduction of a strategic development housing legislation um, that that at the same time, the abolition of the windfall tax in 2014 has just put massive pressure on land prices and it resulted, he feels that the only winners out of those were property developers. Um, and in terms of, I suppose, his central premise is that families on average wages should be able to afford at least a starter home in a properly serviced community with schools and adequate transport. Now, when you cut it back to bare essentials, that really doesn't sound like too much to ask for. And it does, of course, sound like a very reasonable proposition that the state should be in a position to support. Um, in terms of solutions, you know, he does talk about how the objective as a nation really must be to ensure that everybody who wants a permanent home should have one, that housing is in fact a social right. And Ireland, we know, has been criticised in the past by the United Nations for actually not delivering on this. So his solutions are to make housing affordable. And he, he gives a number of he gives a number of routes to this, including move uh, the rent to interest arbitrage. Um, he also talks about a withholding tax about, um, of 50 percent on all apartment rental income above half a million, half a million euro. And this would effectively eliminate the tax, the tax deductibility of interest where rent exceeds this level. Um, again, he wants to reinstate the 80 percent windfall tax that was abolished back in 2014 so that the state actually captures a substantial portion of the gift um, that the state is actually giving to landowners and developers. Um, and he's also looking for the state to restrict the number of apartments in any one building which an investor or an institution can acquire, which is obviously completely at odds with the in, with the rise in the growth and PRS sector that we're seeing at the moment. One of the other solutions that he's looking at is that he wants the state to have direct um, control and uh, direct and they want, he wants the state to control policies for affordable housing. Now. The Land Development Agency, he cites, could be an important intervention, though arguably it's not sufficient, sufficiently ambitious in terms of its social objective. But he does reference initiatives like the Rebuilding Ireland home loan schemes and the affordable purchase schemes that do actually help to alleviate the problems. Um, I suppose going in at a more detailed level, he's suggesting that the government can borrow long-term money at an interest rate of 0.10%. The government should make an additional 4 billion available to the Land Development Agency to fund local authority housing needs. And rather than buying homes from private sector development uh, developers at institutionally determined prices, um, the, the state, as the largest landowner, should actually be building about a thousand homes per month. And these houses should be designed as, you know, approximately 1,000 to 1,200 square feet 
at a maximum cost of €250,000. And that's including a 50,000 payment to the local authority for the site value. So effectively, the, the relevant local authority should actually master plan the site and ensure proper infrastructure, including community infrastructure, transport and schools. So um, another solution is to accelerate the use of existing space to avoid uh, land hoarding for expected future price growth. And that's, of course, something that's come under huge um, topic of debate in recent times. So in short, um, Dermot Desmond is proposing that the state properly intervenes with more targeted taxation, including the reintroduction of the windfall tax, which can be utilised to drive property and land prices down and increase the supply of accommodation available. Yeah, certainly there's plenty to think about there. We need to take a quick break now and we'll be back shortly with Deborah Smith, country partner of Tempo Housing UK and Ireland. Stay tuned. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters here with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. As mentioned before the break, I'm now joined by Deborah Smith, a country partner of Tempo Housing UK and Ireland. Deborah, thank you so much for being with us today because you've had a very busy morning in Ireland. So did you just arrive into Ireland this morning? Uh, yes, last night I arrived in, yeah. Last but night. And this morning you were presenting at the Construction IT Alliance. Yeah, so it was really interesting actually. Yeah, it was very good and a good uh, turnout as well. So. And that's always good. I, again, um, talking about the Construction IT Alliance, they run... Uh, frequent events and they're great for promoting construction technologies and prop tech, the, all the technology across the built environment is something we feel very strongly about mm-hmm. and we cover on the show here quite a bit. So it's great to see and support those events. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tempo Housing, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so Tempo Housing, they're, <coughs> they're a Dutch company and they've been going for about 17 years and the founder of that, his name's Quinton and uh, he's really... Uh, proactive in the industry he started off with recycled shipping containers and then he evolved over the years into modular construction like gauge seal frames cellular concrete and different uh, methods of construction so we've got about 11 country partners around the world uh, Denmark New Zealand Switzerland and um, I hold a country partnership for the UK and Ireland very good. How long have you been with the company? I've been with them for nearly three years now. And is construction, is that your background? Um, I used to be an estate agent okay. many years ago. In Ireland or the UK? Both. Okay. In Ireland and the UK. And um, I used to sell land off market and hotels and things like that. And then I got into the modular industry just by chance, really. And um, I thought this is really interesting. So. It's an exciting industry. Mm. It's it's an inter- I didn't know there was a history um going back starting with shipping containers. Yeah, yeah. So they started they done the largest shipping container project in the world in Amsterdam. That was for students. That was thirteen. I remember reading about yeah. that. that. Is mm-hmm. that about ten years ago now? Yeah, yeah. It's about so now they're actually um, taking them down, recycling them, and they're putting them up in different locations. So, so that's really sustainable. The shipping containers, after they've been used for 10 years, can now be repurposed yeah, still as like, dwellings? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. And they're mainly used for students and they love it. Yeah. So obviously. the legislation is obviously very supportive there in terms of finding housing supply because yes. in Ireland that hasn't been the same. No. Um, so back in 2014, when we were very much in the midst of a crisis, um, about 65 different companies came together to build um, on, on a volunteer basis came together to build the first fully compliant shipping container home in Ireland and um, all the plans were done um, made open source mm-hmm. and the intention was that local authorities could look at how this was done mm-hmm. and replicate it and actually be able to provide housing very quickly so in that particular case with no money no resources we created uh, we created one 40 foot um, container yeah. created that into a home through the, the help of 65 different companies, but we did it in three days on mm. the grounds of the Irish Museum of Modern Art so people could come and visit it. And mm. unfortunately, the legislation was never supportive. The building regulations, um, so we showed it could be done in in a very affordable way. Mm-hmm. So these containers 
can be kitted out to a compliance standard yeah. uh, from 25,000. Yeah. And it could obviously be done very quickly exactly, because we did yeah. that um, yeah. in three days. And yet policy just didn't support yeah. it. It just didn't move fast enough. Yeah. And there was maybe three or four more years of debate That's about right, yeah. rapid housing uh-huh. and well, still done, nothing. They've done a project in Brighton. They've mm. done recycled shipping containers for homeless shelter in Brighton. So in the UK, is policy broadly more supportive? Um, it is. It's more supportive mm. in, of the industry. When I started yeah. about five years ago, it wasn't great. But now it's really accelerated it's because uh, driving that is the housing crisis. And also they need um, better quality homes and uh, smaller apartments people are looking for now. Um, more affordable, really. Yeah. It, uh, it's it is affordability. Of affordability and speed of delivery. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's not just the method of construction. That needs to be supported by policy no. or it, it's not going to happen. I think it's interesting when you talk there about... Um, a more superior or a better quality, better quality build because I think that maybe that's not something in the early days of mm. um, modular construction that wasn't the early part of the conversation and it was initially maybe considered um, a cheaper alternative whereas we know now actually that's not necessarily not the, case, the case but it most definitely uh, offers better quality and more consistent quality yeah, which so is very important. We like to explain it like a car manufacturing facility so when you talk about you know when we drove cars I remember having a Ford Escort and I used to have to get out and push it. Um, was so that when you were living because you're from Tallow originally? I am yeah, yeah. No, that's when I was living when I moved to London. <laughs> In the UK. Yeah so um, so if you think about the manufacturing system like that you know and as time evolves better components um, more system built manufacturing facilities popping up all over Europe and they're, they're really good at what they do and they're really... And do you guys have a facility in the UK? No, we don't. So our okay. facilities are, are one in Holland, one in Poland and one in Slovenia. So you're importing? So we import them, yes. Okay, and so in terms of the, the UK now, particularly in light of Brexit, mm-hmm. you know, how has that affected your supply chain then and the delivery? It's not really... Sub- uh, it's not affecting me because okay. mine are manufactured in Europe. Mm-hmm. So it isn't affecting me. Probably maybe the logistics of the transportation might affect me. Mm-hmm. But um, as I'm, my first project's going to be in Ireland, it's going to be good for us. Well, tell us about the Irish project. So the Irish project, um, a few of us have got together, a main contractor, myself, a landowner, and one of the housing bodies, local housing authorities, and um, they're affordable housing for rents. Mm-hmm. So we all got together and we decided we're going to do a small scheme of maybe six um, apartments. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to be the last quarter of this year. And um, where is that going to it's be? It's going to be in Dublin, but I can't really say any more about it yet. So yeah. we're not having any no, but, uh, look, It's exciting to see um, a, a more proactive approach yeah. towards other all sorts yeah. of modern methods of construction, not necessarily yeah. uh, modular, but, but all... So I think for this project, we'll probably all take a hit on it. We won't really make any money, which is not a problem. That's the cost of innovation. That's the cost of innovation. People want to see something on the ground. Mm-hmm. They don't want, you know, they want to open and close the door, come in, jump up and down on the floor, see what it's like. But also to prove the model, because unfortunately we have had, uh, we have had some false starts in this. And, you know, so there are terms that have been really wrongly used and quite maligned now so for example uh, example like rapid build yeah. you know that's just become a pretty toxic yeah. term here in Ireland when right. obviously it shouldn't be uh, things like prefabrication you know mm-hmm. these are not words we want to use in Ireland uh, yeah. around this industry anymore so I do think it's really important that we can deliver some some showcase projects yes. and then point to them because particularly yeah. the local authorities they don't have the margin for error they don't have the budget for error yeah. so they need to get it right first time and, and this is the time for error. I mean, with the yeah. homeless crisis the way it is, these mm-hmm. we need to be building. So for us, it's about uh, social value as well. Mm-hmm. We don't want to just come in and throw up loads of units and not have any social value attached. And also climate change. We're big advocates of climate change. Yeah. Um, all our partners around Europe, they're helping me to make sure we put the best apartments we can yeah. and make, make sure that they comply with all the building regs. And we're building for the future. We're not just going to stick something there and say, oh, that'll do, and we'll come back to that later and retrofit it. So we're thinking about um, people as they get older as well and what they might need in that that accommodation space. 
There's a couple of really important things there. I mean, the sustainability conversation is a very big one and it's one that I think perhaps could be in danger of being sidelined in order of cheap or fast or mm-hmm. uh, prioritising just getting people into homes. But that's just too short-term a view and mm-hmm. I think we're going past the point where we're able to think like that. Yeah. So sustainability has become such mm-hmm. a big issue at the moment and I think maybe this is one of the ways that MMC is going to lead the charge yes. because um, so much of the of the positive benefits are actually built in at design yeah. stage. At design, design stage is the key mm. because that's when we can make things happen and we can assess it and see what the impact of the components we're using mm-hmm. and to see the lifespan of the project. Yeah. So it's not going to be just there for 10 years or 20 years. It's actually going to last. And so that that kind of brings us nicely around to the social value yes. and the importance of the social value because it's yeah. not just... It's not just homes or houses, it's communities, yeah, communities that you're yeah. building as well. Yeah. And do you think, I suppose you you have a great perspective here based on your experience in mm-hmm. Ireland and in the UK, and then probably the experiences through yeah. the company yeah. um, in other countries. Do you think in Ireland there's enough focus given to the social value of, of developments at planning, at design and build stage? I think we could do more. I think we could look at it a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So for us in um, in the Netherlands, when we take in a site, we're not just thinking how many units can we get on that site and max it out to get the maximum amount of profit. So in that, we're looking at, is there going to be a park for children? Is there going to be bicycle spaces? What kind of inclusion is going to be there for the community that are living there? So it's very much about bringing a community together. Yeah. One of their models is taking unused land and building lively communities. So that's what we really want to do, as well as, obviously, you know, everyone's got to make a few bob, but that's not our essential aim. Mm-hmm. We want to put up high-quality homes mm-hmm. and make it a community thing so that when we move on to the next project, we can be proud of what we've done, yeah. not just... Um, you know, not ratcheting up schemes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you talked there about the importance of these houses actually being suitable for people at various stages of their life. And that's something that I think maybe has definitely stopped short in terms of our two-bed apartments. You know, they're not designed for living. They're not designed for push chairs. They're not designed necessarily for um, anybody with mobility issues in some cases. So it's it's, it's something that we, again, need to go back to design stage. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that modular is maybe a better solution or a better fit for the flexibility that these homes need? I think it's a solution. I don't want to, mm. uh, you know, come in and say modular is the only solution because traditional, mm-hmm. you know, the Irish, we love our traditional builds and that's not going to change. But I think there is a space for modular mm-hmm. and I think there is um, plenty of scope in the design stage to make um, accommodation, you know, you could go into somewhere and you're able-bodied, you don't know yeah. what at what stage you might end up, you, you know, you're not able to get up the stairs or mm-hmm. things might happen later on. So yeah. we're trying to build um, homes that can, that will be able to accommodate those changes. And so is that, is, so is the key then to design, um, the homes you're planning in Ireland, are they two bedrooms? Um, I think they'll be single. They'll be single. Okay, so yeah. uh, one, one bedroom. person. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so in terms of flexibility, I presume that's all on the same level. Yes. Anyway, so yes. you've got some of those uh-huh. design solutions. I think we're gonna. I think it might be two stories, but it's, you know, it's not gonna be. Yeah. Um, you know, two. It's not gonna be tall. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be a tall building. And the collaborative approach is that something that's important? So important to me because I like to know what everyone's doing. So I travel around Europe quite a lot and I talk to the different guys in the different factories, see what they're doing, yeah. what's the latest thing you're doing, what's the best fire uh, fire acoustics. And I, I like to know what everyone's doing. So they kind of see me coming and think, oh, here she is with a big list of questions. But does that, but does that work well when you're, say, coming into Ireland? Because obviously... You've experienced in the industry in Ireland, but this is your first time coming mm-hmm. in from maybe a, yeah. a development or, yeah. or coming in as part of the construction supply chain. Yeah. And that's a different dynamic. Yes. So how have you found the experience of, say, 
um, the innovation? How is it being received here in Ireland when you were looking for partners? It was received well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got to kiss a few frogs. That's the name of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's the construction industry all around. Yeah. But, you know, I have found the guys, it's important to find the partners that want to do it mm-hmm. rather than trying to bring people in that just think, oh, well, we'll give it a bash and see what happens. So you kind of need people to be on board with it. Is the, appetite, is the appetite for innovation there across the construction industry now? Yes, I, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I mean, I know in England it wasn't at the start. Mm-hmm. And now um, recently we just won an, an Innovation UK bid and we're part of a consortium now. So there's nine modular companies, um, BRE and um, some of the local councils. So everybody, we're, we've all got together and we're going to have an 18-month project where we're all going to bring in new innovation between us and we're going to share the knowledge and, and is that to... is that geared towards one particular development? No. Or is it just no. a knowledge sharing platform? No, it's just platform? a knowledge sharing platform. Interesting. Yeah. And then what's the framework for that? The framework for that was um, Innovation UK. So it's a government funded scheme. And we all put in what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And we were lucky enough to be picked as one of that. That's amazing. Well done. Because actually, um, on the show in the, over the past few months, you know, we've been watching very closely um, mm-hmm. your housing minister's appointment of, say, Mark Farmer, yeah, Cast Consultancy yeah. uh-huh. as a special advisor uh, for MMC, but also um, uh, the appointment of a panel of prop tech Yes. experts yes. I mean that's really exciting yeah. stuff we're nowhere near that in Ireland you know we're just yeah. not getting there and I suppose you know we've been looking from the time say BIM became mandatory on PPP yeah. projects in the UK uh-huh. and saying okay are we going to get to that in Ireland and you know we've been trying to almost chart the progress in innovation that the UK has made and say okay are we likely to follow here and the, there is definitely some frustrations around it and obviously now politically you know, yeah. we're in very uncertain times, so it's quite difficult to see what the next what the next government will look like, and so therefore we don't know what we the next uh, what the next generation of um, policy making mm-hmm. and how supportive it will be in terms of innovation, or will it be a very immediate hand to mouth solve so, the problem? Yeah, for me, it's about um, being involved in that is really good mm-hmm. because I can bring that knowledge here, and hopefully I can share it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. The, some of the guys I met this morning, they were really interested to hear about that. And even, you know, the other modular guys were like, wow, that's really interesting. And yes, we should be all, you know, joining up, thinking. And and is there a good, like one one of the fellow speakers was, of course, Ger Fahey of yeah. Horizon Offsite. Yeah. And that would be one of the leaders um, in offsite construction and offsite manufacturing for building here yeah. in Ireland. So it was great yes. to get that level of expertise yeah. all together in one room. Yeah. I welcome it because uh, mm. I'm dealing with these guys all the time, whether they're competitors or whether they're um, people that we're just collaborating with. So for me, I just love talking modular. I don't mind. <laughs> well, but, but look, that, that's exactly the kind of conversation that we want to be having. So, you know, that's a really important one. Um, I understand I, I understand now you're heading back to the UK shortly, so we can't delay for too much longer today. But I'm, I'm interested to hear how the Dublin project progresses, because I think it'll be a really important one. Yes. Um, and it's one that it's important that if... If we can get it right across all the partners, then you have a project you can point to. You know, we're yeah. we're still at the early stages of establishing best practice. Yeah. And that's so important. So you might join us again oh, when, when the plans progress yeah. further and you're in a position to yes. talk yeah. a little a little yeah. more about it. Yeah. So that's like a journey. Yeah, well, and, and but a really important one. And one that if we can share openly, then other yes. local authorities around Ireland can use it and other manufacturers around yes. it. And and again it's engineering the social value into these yeah. developments as well as crucial. And if you can't do it for six units then you're unlikely to be able to do yeah. it for 600 exactly. so from that point so of view it's, it's a really, really important one so um deborah thank you so much for joining thank us today that was deborah smith uh, country partner at tempo housing in uk and ireland and um, we'll be back after a quick break with jer fahey managing director at horizon offsite stay tuned you are listening to dublin south fm on 93.9 now, welcome back to Property Matters with myself, Carol Tallon. I'm delighted to be joined by Ger Fahey, Managing Director at Horizon Offsite. Ger, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, just before the break, I was chatting to Deborah Smith of Tempo Housing, 
who was also speaking at the CETA event this morning. And we were talking about the changing appetite across the construction industry in Ireland for innovation. So obviously you're managing director of one of the most innovative construction companies or offsite manufacturing companies, Horizon Offsite, based down in Care. You might just tell us a little bit about the company. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, it's great to be here. Um, it was really great to be in a, in a room that was really focused around offsite, which is which is what we've been driving for the last X amount of years. Um, I suppose Horizon Offsite is our company. It's, it's based in Care in County Tipperary. We have got probably 3,000 square metres of, of a manufacturing facility with additional office space and we produce um, a fully accredited uh, structure like a steel system to 10 storeys. So is that the first in Ireland? It, it's not. Um, at the moment there is a, a company in Ireland called Vision Build which is, which is a similar accreditation but it's one of the first Very good. Um, in Ireland. And in terms of projects, our clients, our clients there, uh, when they're planning their projects and um, particularly if you're looking up to 10 storeys, are they automatically thinking modular? Are they thinking um, off-site? Are they thinking traditional? Or do they even have, do they even think it, that that design stage? Yeah, and this is, I suppose, this is really our challenge in the off-site game is, is early involvement. And a lot of our clients really at, at design stage are not thinking about how to build it. They're thinking about... Um, planning and how to get planning on, on the site. So, so it's, it's incredibly important for an off-site company to be involved early because it benefits everyone. It benefits the designers, it benefits the client, and it benefits the end product. So we want to be involved all the time early. Uh, well, of course, you're not just a manufacturer. Um, you mm. also work across the design. Correct, yeah. We, we, we design under our own PI. So we've got 6.5 million PI, and we design with our own chartered engineers. But when, we, when I say we design, I suppose we've got to clarify that we design our system. Mm -hmm. But we, want, we take a client's design and we make our system work for it. We want to be designing our, our product around the initial stages. But at the moment, we're getting designs and then we design our system around them. Very good. Um, a couple of months ago, we had William Power from CMW O'Brien Architects into, into the radio show here to talk about the establishment of a new uh, off-site and modular construction institute that's launching in 2020 here in Ireland. And one of the, one of the recurring issues was trying to almost retro-design a solution um, in terms of where the design might have been for traditional and then the going out trying to source maybe MLC solutions yeah. and that you know he he brought up the point that that doesn't really work and adds a layer of cost and it, so essentially flaws it it, it it there are flaws then in terms of the findings so it doesn't look as efficient it doesn't perhaps look as streamlined as it might be so you mentioned earlier today about the importance of designing for offsite correct yeah every Offsite um, really works with early intervention. So we we want to be involved at the very early stages of a project because it 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 makes the project um, very very achievable in offsite construction. We we're not getting that at the moment. We tend to get a lot of projects in that are designed for traditional build build, and then we're trying to make them work. That's not really effective. We 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 want to be in at the start, and I suppose that really comes back to the. Possibly a culture within the Irish construction industry where Europe, the appointments are really left to the last minute. So the design is done in the building, the planning has got, sometimes the fire has got, the DAC has got, but then they go out to procure subcontractors or specialist contractors. And it's, it's, it really should be done the opposite way. It okay. should be designed and around. If that's the culture, how do we change that culture? I think it's an education process and I, and I, and I think that's what it's all about. It, it's up to... Um, off-site construction in, uh, guys like us and like whoever in the business to educate the market and, and we're trying to educate the market. Who do we need to educate? Is it is it the end clients of these buildings or these developments or are we do we need to get to designers at early stage or is there a role all, to play by planners? All. Um, it's, it's really the the initial projects are driven by a client and, and, and the client needs to be educated in the use of off-site because at the end of the day, 
Offsite will benefit the client because he's going to get offsite quicker. He's going to get people into his buildings quicker. He's going to have less. His money is paid back quick. So it's 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 a big benefit. But also, designers, we we got to have designers designing for offsite. So it's really across the board. It's 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 educating them all. It's educating everyone. Is there a planning role here? There 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 isn't. I suppose with, with planning. Um, um, on residential, really the planning, the guys, are, the, the planners are interested in the look of the buildings as opposed to the actual structure of the building. Okay. Even though there is BCAR, mm -hmm. which is building control, which is incredibly, which is incre incredibly important now. Mm -hmm. But from a planning point of view, especially on residential, it's the look of the building. When you start getting into multi-story stuff, then the fabric is of the building, i.e. The, the fire, the DAC, the sound does come into it. Mm -hmm. but, but I suppose... From a from a residential point of view, sometimes planning is it's, it's it, it it doesn't come into it at that stage. Okay, um, you might have seen online that there's actually there's a new website launched and there's a movement going on online over the last two weeks called We Can Build Better. Uh, the website is WeCanBuildBetter.org, and it seems to be a group of architects coming together to try at least start a conversation that might prompt policy change and change around uh, procurement. Mm. Now. They, they have a particular focus on public procurement, but even in terms of procurement for private projects, you know, there's this emphasis on price over quality. And that's something that's been a criticism of the public procurement process. Do you find that carrying into the private procurement yeah, we, process? Yeah, we, we, we find it on both, really. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we do both where we, we build um, a social for, 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 for public and then we do private developments. So, and again... It, it's the culture in the Irish construction industry. Mm -hmm. The culture is that the, the lowest price is basically what people will go with. Quality sometimes comes second and accreditations come second. So it, we come across it all the time. Okay, but how is that the culture when we know um, industry lobby groups like the Construction Industry Federation, you know, they've been pushing for this change, this change towards quality over pricing at, yeah. at procurement stage. So I'm just wondering, where is this falling down? Because you would imagine that um, clients, so say for example, if we were talking about clients in the commercial space, that would be repeat clients, you know, perhaps in the data center space or in the logistics space, they're very discerning clients. Um, and there's certainly ones that, that are demanding, um, they're demanding a higher standard, they're, they're demanding more innovative methods mm. of building delivery. So where, I'm just wondering where the, where is this breaking down? See, I suppose when, when you see, you've probably got, Different different areas of the construction industry. You've got mm. you've got your your house builders. You've got your um, apartment builders, and then you've got your data centres and whatever. Mm. So at the moment, the the, the data centres will be very very the the they're, they're built by bigger guys, very quality driven, uh, very controlled. I suppose mm. you go all the way down to house builders then, which is mm. probably the maybe not the opposite, but it's it's a it's more really, bespoke. It's really solution. driven by price. Mm. Um, and, and I suppose that's our challenge. But it, it, it all comes back to early intervention in design. If we're involved in it at an early stage, we can make the buildings very, very competitive. We can make the buildings very, very commercially attractive. But as opposed to trying to fit an off-site system into a traditional build. So the, it, the, the thing is, get, get us involved early, and then all of a sudden, your building becomes very, very commercially attractive. Even though still, we're building lots of stuff in Ireland, so from a commercial point of view, we're we're on the, we're on the button. But to, to we can be better if we get involved earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's a fair point. Um, in terms of the capacity you have in Horizon Offsite, how many members of the team? We do you at have the moment now? at the moment in, in Horizon Offsite, we've probably got about 30, 30 people. Um, so that's huge, considering you're just into year four of the business. Correct. Uh, our, our 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 business was set up in May two thousand seventeen. So we're really only into this is coming into year three. So we have three years in May. Yeah. Um, and it's our, our business really has evolved very very quickly. And I suppose it's done that because I suppose we, we really hit the ground running because we all come from an offsite background. Um, we all worked with fusion for years. So we 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 can go when we started. We can go to, to people and we can say we're back in the industry. We want to start building again. And I suppose that's where we're a little bit different to to a real startup. We are we are a new business, but we're we're in the game twenty years. So you're bringing combined collective experience. We're bringing experience, and we're we're also bringing context, mm -hmm. which is critical in our game. So people know us. 
so they know when I knock on the door, I've done it before. Yeah. So it's even though it's 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 a new business, it's it's not as much of a risk that, that it would be if we were starting from afresh. Or if the individuals again, Ireland, Ireland is still a small country, and particularly in the construction industry, people still do business mm-hmm. with people. Correct, so yeah. from that point of view, it's, being it's, familiar. It's, correct. It's it's critically important both mm-hmm. in Ireland and the UK. And even I would argue, even more so in the UK, that being known in the industry can open the doors for you and can get you into the right people. And that's why within probably two months of us opening the door, we were building units, which is which is like it's it's it's, it's unheard of, really. Yeah. Because how did that even come about then? Because we we targeted we targeted people we knew in the business in the UK, and we targeted them and said, you know what, we we we're back in the industry. We've got a fully accredited system. We need to start building stuff because we want to show stuff to clients, and that's really it. So it was it was going to guys we knew or girls we knew and said, let let us build for you, and they did. Yeah. And 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 that's why we we kicked it off in the UK. Very similar in Ireland. We do a lot of work for ABM. So, but you were manufacturing in care and then yeah, shipping. And shipping it to the UK. So when we started, probably ninety percent of our business was was being exported to the UK. Um, and we're probably 50-50 now between Ireland. But everything and what's is, the long-term view? What's the long-term strategy it's, for Horizon? It's, it's really that. I think we, we, we have a strategy. You want to we, keep the 50-50? We, we, we want to be supplying the UK market and we want to be supplying the Irish market. In and, terms of Brexit and moving from, say, an EU mark to, or from British-only standards to EU, has that had an impact? It, 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 not really, because I suppose... As we've set the business up two and a half years ago, three, when we got accreditations, when we got accredited fire tests, they were to EU. So basically, we were we were we were complying with them anyway because mm-hmm. by default because we knew what was happening. So our our last um, our last um, fire test on the floor was 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 to the latest standards. So I think that's a plus. It's a plus being a young business because when we set up. People, people knew that. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting one because not just in the construction space, but, you know, certainly across prop tech and any construction technologies. One thing we see in Ireland, um, particularly for, say, digital solutions, because Ireland is a small country, it's an island, our startups, good startups tend to be geared towards export almost from day one. And that's unheard of um, in uh, in a lot of UK startups and certainly in US startups, it d- just isn't a factor. But in Ireland, it's such an important one. So you were not only designing from, for export from day one, but actually the business model was born at a time when the Brexit negos- or the Brexit conversation was already happening at that stage. Right, yeah. And, yeah. And, and we were fully aware of it. But it's I an suppose, interesting one, yeah. But I suppose from, from, like we, I would have done lots and lots of work in the UK and probably outside of the UK and the US. Mm. So... I understand the markets, and I and and I suppose that's why really our, our business, we kind of drove it at the start to say that let, let's 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 do this. And um, we 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 always knew there was going to be a, a market in Ireland because at the end of the day we're we're not building enough in Ireland, so that market was going to be there. But but we wanted to drive the export market for for numerous reasons. Mm. But it's it's a really really good market for us, and we're we're going to keep driving that market. And obviously, because your latest certification is up to ten stories, you know that's taken you out of some of the you know the home building, some of the the smaller home building sectors. So, what sector are you are you really appealing to now? Is it more the PRS? Yeah, we, we build. I suppose we we build everything really. It's, it, so we build anything from a two story mm. unit up to a ten story building. But really, our market is. Our niche market is really from three stories to about eight, which is your 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 apartments for rent. That's where we come into our own because at the end of the day, the, the client and the design team want a really really um, quality product. They want it done very quickly, but they want it done correctly, mm. and they want people in them units because they're they're renting the units. So that's where our niche market. So really, apartments, um, care facilities, student accommodation. That's really where where hotel accommodate hotels. Mm-hmm. That's that's our niche market. We still build quite a lot of two story housing, mm-hmm. but we tend to do it uh, for social. So we we build a lot of social housing. We've got we've finished some stuff in in Bolton Glass. We've some stuff coming up in Carnew. We've a site coming up in Limerick. We've a site coming up in Clonmel. So we've a lot of lot of lot of social units coming up. But our niche market really is the bigger stuff. 
Okay, and then, you know, when you're falling into kind of the PRS and certainly hotels, a lot of that seems to be, well, has been concentrated in recent years in the greater Dublin area. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're based down in Care. So are you finding opportunities, say, in Cork or Limerick? We are, yeah. We, we've, um, we've got a student accommodation building coming up in Cork. Um, so Limerick, there's more student accommodation coming up. But, but the Dublin area doesn't bother us because we're... we're we're based in Care, but we're an hour and a half mm. from, from Dublin. It's a so good central location. It's, yeah. a really, it's a really great location. So it, it's quite easy for us to get product to where we need to get it from where we're based because we're literally five minutes off the motorway. So yeah. either our uh, Dublin, Limerick, Cork, wherever we're, we're, we'll get it there quite efficiently. And say in terms of the pipeline of work that you're seeing, mm. because, you know, I, I was just working on a study there about development land down in Cork, and we mm. can see that Cork is the second most active yeah. market for development land. And that's always a good indicator of development that's coming. So yeah. 2019 was a, was a very good year mm. for Cork City. So it, that makes sense that we're going to see a lot more development. Yeah. We just don't know what that will look well, like we, with those student accommodation. What, what, what we tend to see at, at the moment, the the higher density units seem to mm. be, the, especially in Dublin, especially in Cork. Mm. So the, um, the, the two-story units um, are still being built, but people tend to be concentrated really now on the on the multi-story. Um, so it's 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 nearly going to your London um, or your, your UK um, equivalent where you're building multi-story units. And and I think over the last six to eight months, we're starting to get lots and lots of inquiries in for multi-story units. So it's just in the higher, UK, in in Ireland, in 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 the UK, it's really all. Yeah. multi-story units but, but more of that in Ireland yeah it, it's it's starting to be multi-story units as opposed to two-story housing can I ask because you know I, I we certainly get mixed commentary on this but say in terms of a market slowdown or a market stalled um, in, uh, around Brexit concerns and uncertainty and then in Ireland now we've heaped mm. political uncertainty onto that you know did you feel the impact of that did you feel there was a slowdown, you know, in, in not, 2019? Not really, no. But I, I suppose we didn't. And we've, we've lots and lots of, of projects on our books. I think where we struggle sometimes is, is getting the projects designed or getting the design in time to keep our production facility going, even though we've lots and lots of stuff. So because we, we've got a very precise production facility yeah. that needs to be fed. So we want to make sure that every, every milestone is hit. Sometimes we struggle a little, but I think a little bit on that. But I think that's that's really down to education, mm-hmm. and it's down to the design teams, the client knowing that like we have slots and they need to be hit. So that's really. But but we have we've lots and lots of stuff on our on our books. We did see a little bit of a slowdown in the UK, mm-hmm. and and it and it wasn't that the, the, there was still stuff to be built, mm-hmm. but there was people just not doing it. So there was lots of guys finishing stuff, and no one starting stuff. But again. That's all there now to be to to, you, be, to be built. Do you think that they, they were projects being stalled by funders or people just holding off to see where the uncertainty you know? I'd, say, I'd, I'd, I'd say both. I'd say the the issue was that the the end product wasn't selling. So a, a lot of a lot of people developers that were building they were they were renting their product their their end product. So I think that was really so it's 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 both. But I think that's really changed now. So all we have seen an influx of of units starting to come across our desk in the UK. And, and again, in terms of multi-storey apartments, student accommodation, we've, we've got one coming up in Gloucester now, student accommodation. We've got houses coming up in London. So does, does And what heights would they generally be going to? Um, the, one in, the one in Gloucester is going to six storeys. Um, so any, anywhere from three storeys up to eight. Okay. That's that, really our niche market. We can build to 10, but really up to eight is where, we, where, we're, where our niche market is. Okay, and this morning um, you were delivering a presentation on the use of uh, structural cold form steel systems in low and mid-rise residential units in Ireland. Yeah. Um, so again, you're, in that particular format, that was at a Construction IT Alliance event, um, you're speaking to the industry. So is that showing you, are you seeing the indications that um, the industry is starting to get more involved in learning about this? So say is the consultancy side of it. I, I, I am actually, I'm, I really, I came out of the, the talk this morning really, really positive. And I think what, what I saw within the talk, I saw a lot of guys there and a lot of girls there really interested in understanding offsite, which is what it's all about. And understanding offsite from people that are involved in offsite. So it, it's, it's very, so it's very, very positive to see that, that, that type of talk 
because that's exactly where offside needs to be going. And we need to drive more talks like that. And we, uh, we need to drive the whole industry that people understand it and understand how to use offside properly and how to utilize off offside. And I think it was great. It was great to be giving a talk at that this morning. Okay, and look, um, before we before we let you go, it's really important because this is something that we need all uh, early, er, because this is an emerging sector now, um, we need all people involved in it mm. to be working together. Is that something, can competitors in this space work collaboratively together? It, it definitely, it's something that Horizon drives. The, the, the construction industry is a big industry. We need we need offsite systems in the construction industry, whatever they are. We need good offsite systems. So be it timber, be it ICF, be it concrete, be it steel. We want them all. So we are we are really open to working with with with. We don't even call them competitors. They're not competitors. They're they're people involved in the offsite industry like us. There's there's plenty of business for everyone in the industry. Absolutely. So so we want we want to drive this industry. If there's good guys in the industry, the industry will get bigger. Yeah. And, and that's what needs to happen and, and getting that message out. Um, okay, well then, before we finish up, what's next? You know, it's been a very busy first three years for Horizon Offsite. What's next? I suppose with, 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 with Horizon Offsite, we're, we're never happy. So we're always looking to the next. So we're, we're looking to evolve what we do. We, what we have is we've, 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 we have a very, very good structure like HDL system now. But we are, we're always looking to evolve to the next level. And the next level will be possibly finished panels, um, volumetric panels, service panels, um, different types of floors. So it's, it's, R&D is, is a critical part of our business and we're always going to be driving R&D because we just want, we want to be the best in, in, in the business. So wherever, Europe, the UK, we're doing some, we're doing some work in Canada. We're, we're as I said, we're, we're always looking ahead. Excellent. I look forward to see how that progresses, Ger. That was Ger Fahey, Managing Director at Horizon Offsite. Thank you so much for being with us today. That's it from us today. Thank you for listening into Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show where property matters. Get in touch with the show by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. Also, thank you to Peter Rice on Sound and show producer Katie Tallon. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carl Tallon, and all the team here. Have a great week. 